Welcome to the River Tree Canal Fulton Podcast. Today we are offering you our first sermon of two on the spirit, gifts, and the weird stuff. This was originally going to be one long sermon, but it got away from me, and so it's going to end up being two. So listen to the first part this week, and next week you can turn in for the second part as we walk through 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. Thanks for being a part of everything that's happened in our community. We have a lot of incredible things coming up, including prayer at Northwest on August 14th. So go ahead and put that on your calendar. We'll have more details about that coming out over the next couple weeks. We are excited uh, to get to go into our schools and pray for teachers and students and families and administration as the school year approaches. So with that, enjoy This sermon in our Wild Goose Chase series, The Spirit, the Gifts, and the Weird Stuff, Part 1. Our scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 14. It just says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. You can be seated. Uh, A couple things as we get going. First, my name is Drew. I'm the campus pastor here. Glad to see all of you here. Surviving uh, the summer, especially if you were at Canal Days, I feel like a little bit of exhaustion, but I'm really grateful. Hopefully you ate lots of fried things and had great experiences. Um, Our middle schoolers, we always dismiss at this point to send our middle school crew to go have some time with Adam and his glorious beard. Uh, So you can head that way if you were in our middle school group and go have a class with him. Another thing I want to mention as far as student ministry goes before we get going Uh, We have been in a search for our next uh, student minister. Adam's been filling in for us as we've kind of been interviewing and searching. And I'm glad to announce that we have hired someone. Uh, His name is Adam Lowe. He is local here to Canal Fulton, and he's going to be starting with us beginning next week. And so next week in our service, we're going to introduce you to him, to his wife Beth, to their kids, uh, and just have a time where we officially... Introduce them to our community as we launch into tend to what God is doing in and among our students. And so that's exciting. If you have questions about that, you can come talk to me after the service. So today's sermon is one I'm approaching with uh, a little bit of fear and trepidation because we're going to talk about, my, my, the title of it is, is uh, The Spirit, Gifts, and the Weird Stuff. Because... We've been in this conversation about the Holy Spirit. Our series has been called Wild Goose Chase. We've been talking about the adventure of following after the presence of the Spirit who's been gifted to us as a church. And you can't talk about the Holy Spirit in scriptures without talking about spiritual gifts. Like you, the more you read the letters, you read that over and over where the Spirit is, things happen and some of them are weird. Let's just be honest. You read through Acts, you read through some of these things. And... We have to deal with that reality as the church. If we're going to be a people who are gifted the Spirit, who are following and walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, the spiritual gifts is going to be a part of our reality. Uh, But I don't know about you. If you didn't grow up in church, the whole conversation about spiritual gifts might just be interesting and kind of weird in and of itself. But if you grew up in the church, depending on which church you grew up in, this conversation gets even weirder, right? Right? I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. I grew up in southern Louisiana. Uh, I grew up in, so southern Louisiana is predominantly Catholic. 
Uh, and so most of the high church institutions, when you talk about spiritual gifts, and this is a little bit of a stereotype, but I think it works. Uh, most of the gifts have been not just formalized, but institutionalized. So anytime you talk about anything from preaching to shepherding to prophecy, to any of the things, if they're there, they're a part of what like the, um, the professionals do. So it wasn't a conversation that happened in a lot of churches because that was a, spiritual gifts were something that the pro, the professional followers of Jesus, Jesus had and did. And everyone else, you know, our job is to be moral and ethical and give and, you know, just make sure that they can do their job. Um, so that's the kind of church culture I grew up around. The church I grew up in didn't talk about spiritual gifts at all. If they did, it was to make sure that we weren't doing certain things. Basically the weird stuff, right? The stuff that you read about in Bible where it's, where it's like, you know, healings and miracles and tongues and prophecy, like all the stuff that when you hear it, you're kind of like, bad stuff could happen if that, you know, if like if that's out of control, that's out of control, that's bad. They were just like, we, we just don't do that. And so it's actually funny. I think there's like uh, four major takes or perspectives I've encountered about spiritual gifts. The first one was just like, hey, Spiritual gifts have stopped. Maybe you grew up in that kind of church where it's just like, you know what? All this stuff stopped in like when the, when the apostles, the people who knew Jesus, when they died, all of the gifts that were, we would consider supernatural stopped. Uh, and that is a take. It's not a take that I hold to. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. Um, but it's interesting because I also feel like I put on there selective deniers because I've never met anyone who's like the gift stopped who doesn't like pray for people to get better, which is a miraculous thing, right? So we'll pray for the sick to be healed. And I'm like, well, I thought, I thought that didn't happen anymore. That's a miraculous thing. There's, there's some inconsistency there. Um, but it's interesting because some churches are just like, hey, the stuff we like, like preaching, that still happens. But the stuff that we don't know what to do with, like tongues, no. Uh, the second perspective I've seen is I like spiritual gifts in theory. This is the group of people who are like, that's fine. It's all fine. It's fine. And if God wants me to have that or experience that, he knows where to find me. <laughs> so there's no like pursuit, hunger, stirring up of the gifts. It's just kind of like, well, it's a thing. I'll agree with scripture that prophecy happens. But if it's like, okay, so what does it look like for a church to have the gift of prophecy in its midst? They're like, ah, mm, I mean, if God wants us to have that, we'll get there. But otherwise, we'll, you know, we'll just let him figure it out for us. Um, what's interesting about that is it's not... Um, Gifts aren't really pursued as like a picture of health and the overflowing life and mission of the spirit. It's just kind of like, uh, it's like a, an, an add-on and not what seems to be the natural overflow of the life of the spirit on mission in the world, in the church. And so for me, I always find um, it actually breeds more skepticism about gifts than actual like faith in the spirit who gives gifts. Um, and just personally, I'd rather not be a person who is skeptical of what God says he does. Uh, the third thing is like where spiritual gifts are actually the focus of the church. I've been there too. Maybe you've been in that kind of church where uh, my dad would put it this way, the emphasis is on the wrong syllable. Um, that spiritual gifts are what it's all about. 
And so, like, if a person is a Christian or not, sometimes it will hinge on whether or not they have a particular gift. And, and often this feels like a jab at some charismatic circles because there are charismatic circles that believe um, that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not even a Christian. I, I know because I am related to some people who are in that, that group, and I don't find that to be scripture. We've talked about that earlier in this series, but just so you know, that's, that's not us. Um, but it, it often seems like the gifts are lifted up higher than Jesus. And that's a problem in scripture because that's the opposite of what the spirit does. The spirit lifts up Jesus. Um, and so we have to admit that sometimes that makes us feel weird because when we talk about gifts, we can be like, are we putting the focus on the wrong thing? And then fourth, I've, I've also been in churches that are just like, spiritual gifts? What's that? And what's crazy is there's no clarity because they've not actually dove into the word to find out what God teaches about gifts. And so uh, everything becomes a spiritual gift. You know, someone has a spiritual gift of like making casseroles uh, or someone has a spiritual gift. And it's like, trust me, I've had potluck at this church. Some of you, if there's a divine gift of desserts, you have it. (laughs) But when we go to the scriptures, we see that the Holy Spirit and what's been revealed through the scriptures, like there's a couple of different conversations about gifts in scripture. If you're like a homework or like a researcher, uh, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, um, 1 Peter 4, and then where we're gonna be today in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Those are the four places where gifts are extensively talked about. Um, And unfortunately, casseroles are not a spiritual gift in these lists. But there are things that are that we have to tend to. And sometimes it's good for us to just become a student of God's word. Like what does the word actually say about the Holy Spirit and about spiritual gifts for the church and even about the weird stuff? Uh, And I come back to the passage that we're going to be in today. Um, In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, it's three chapters the longest and most extensive writing in the New Testament about spiritual gifts. Um, We're gonna try to get all the way through it today, so buckle up. Uh, But I want you to know, like for me, I also have a vested interest in this because I grew up in a Catholic world in a Baptist church with charismatic family. And when I came to faith at 16, I had an experience when I was in my room praying where I would say the Holy Spirit filled me and I had supernatural experiences and I didn't know what to do with them. Because I had one group saying, well, only the church does that. Another group saying, well, nobody does that. And another group saying, everybody should do that. And if they don't, they're going to hell. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? As I, not, it's not even about the gifts. I want to be walking in and filled with the spirit. How, what is, what is this supposed to look like? What does it mean for me to be faithful? As a pastor, I have the same question, not just for me, but for us. This is about more than just like getting it right. And, and some of it is honestly because of the moment we're in as a culture. Like if the Holy Spirit has gifted the church things for this moment in time so that we can be who God has made us to be and do what God has made us to do in this moment, then this conversation matters. And it doesn't just matter so that we don't do stupid things or weird things or that we do do stupid things or weird things. It matters because the Spirit's giving of gifts are about more than gifts. And that's really where we're going to head today. And so, I want you to, if you're coming in here with a little bit of baggage in this conversation, I wanna ask you to just like set it aside. You can take it with you when you go, but set it aside for a moment. And if you're here and you're just like, I don't know what any of this is, but I'm kinda curious now. What's all the, what's all the hubbub? Uh, let's jump into the scriptures today 
and figure out exactly what the Lord might be speaking to us uh, through his word. So first off, uh, 1 Corinthians 12.1, now about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. Some translations say uninformed. Paul himself, as a pastor, as one encouraging the church in Corinth in the way that they should walk, says that he doesn't want the church to be ignorant or uninformed when it comes to spiritual gifts. Uh, as a pastor, I want the same for us as a church. So I hope you're okay with that. Uh, so as we unpack these things, I want to highlight a couple of things that we've kind of already talked about, but that are prevalent and important to this conversation. Uh, first, spiritual gifts are what the Spirit does when he moves through the church. Spiritual gifts are what the Spirit does when he moves the church. So a couple of simple things here. Uh, it's not that the church has the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a church. So we are not, uh, we are not in possession of the Spirit. The, the goal is that the church would be in possession, like the Spirit would have us. Possessed sounds weird, but the, the idea is that he is Lord. He is reigning and ruling through us. And spiritual gifts, if you think about it, uh, not like superpowers, because they're not. They're not something to be controlled and used, you know, like you get laser eyes or something crazy like that. Uh, they're not parlor tricks. They're not there just to entertain and amaze us and let us feel amazing and cool about how uh, powerful we are. They're not a force to be controlled. There's multiple times in scripture where people pursue gifts for the wrong reasons and they are rebuked and things come up empty and they're shown that the spiritual gifts are not about having power or abilities. That spiritual gifts are really what the spirit does when he moves to the church. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, how that we, are, uh, we use this glove to talk about what it means to have the spirit in us. And that a glove is designed to pick up things, but without a hand inside of it, it's just, it's worthless. It's just a piece of leather. But when the spirit fills the church, it's like a hand going in a glove, and it is able to do things. If you think about spiritual gifts in this sense, spiritual gifts are what the spirit does when he has filled the church. Um, there's uh, no church that's not a charismatic church. Some of you, that's gonna make you sad, but I wanna talk about that word. Charismatic is not a, it's not a denomination. It's actually a Bible word that comes from the word charisma, which charis is grace. And so a charisma is a, like a grace gift. So the church who has the spirit, who gives us the grace of God, when we are filled with the spirit, the gifts we are given are an extension of that spirit. So every spiritual gift, mercy is a spiritual gift, encouragement is a spiritual gift, prophecy is a spiritual gift. It's not just the ones that look supernatural or that are big, but it's every gift given by God is one given by grace. And so some of you, that's bad news, some of you, that's good news. You're, you're a charismatic Christian if you have the Holy Spirit because the Spirit gives us grace. But in this particular passage, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. He's actually using a different word. It's the word pneumatikos, which pneuma means spirit or breath or wind. It's a way that the Holy Spirit is referred to in scripture. And Paul uses this stronger word because he wants to emphasize that gifts are given through the work of the spirit within us. So you can think about, again, this glove, that the spiritual gifts work because the spirit works. And every spiritual gift is framed within the work that the Spirit is already doing. And I, I think about this in a very simple way. If you take mercy as a spiritual gift, Jesus is merciful. And the Spirit 
is merciful. So the church who is filled with the Spirit, as it acts in the world, part of the way that it will act will be in acts of mercy. That Jesus reveals himself to us. And the Spirit is the one through whom Jesus is revealed to us. We read all of these promises as we studied John a couple weeks ago. So, of course, in the church, as the Spirit moves, part of the way the Spirit will move is through revealing to us who Jesus is and what God is saying. All of the spiritual gifts should make sense to us if we understand what Jesus is already doing, what the Holy Spirit is already doing in our midst. He continues uh, in chapter 12. He says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. This is a huge mark as we begin the conversation about Holy Spirit uh, and gifts, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit should be marked by the fact that they make much of Jesus. Matter of fact, we talked about this a little bit last week, but gifts do two things. They make Jesus known, or they lift Jesus up, and they build others up. That's the mark of, is this a spiritual gift or not? Primarily, is it putting Jesus in the middle? Because it's putting gifts in the middle, or any other thing in the middle other than Jesus, it's probably not driven by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is always lifting up Jesus, always putting Jesus in the center of this conversation. Paul then continues. He says, there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It says to each one, say the word each. You're in each. You are in each. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in each. It's kind of weird to say that. Every one of you is one of the eaches that is being referred to in this passage. To each one of you, no matter your age, no matter your gender, no matter what your life experience is, if you are in Christ, then you are one of the each that God has chosen through his spirit to give gifts to. And he says, the gifts here are a manifestation of the spirit. So again, think of the glove. The spirit in the church fills the church. And what does it look like on the outside? It looks like gifts. It looks like the manifestation of, of the Spirit, if he were wearing the church, they would be doing spiritual gifty things. <laughs> That's what it looks like in the world. Spiritual gifts are for the common good. So each, that means you, yes, you, each is gifted by the Spirit with the common good in mind. So this is another important thing, that spiritual gifts don't exist so that you have cool gifts. It's not just nifty things. They exist. If you have them at all, and you do because you are in each, you have them for the common good of everyone. That God gifts whatever he gifts for the sake of everyone else. He continues. And this is uh, the first of two lists in chapter 12 that he goes through. We're gonna kind of go through both of them. Uh, and I'm gonna unpack some of these just to give some clarity. Uh, there's a good chance that if you 
have been walking with Jesus, you've experienced some of these, but you might not have had the language for it. And this will kind of give you a little bit of clarity. So he says, uh, to one is given through the spirit, the message of wisdom. Uh, wisdom is like a divine answer or solution for, for a particular event. Now remember, the spirit says that he's going to guide you into all truth. He's gonna be the comforter, the one who is with us to lead us in the ways of Jesus. So it makes sense that one of the gifts that he would give the church would be wisdom. Uh, in Mark 13, Jesus tells the disciples, look, you're gonna be dragged before powerful people. And when you are, the Holy Spirit is gonna give you the words to say. And you see in Acts, every time the disciples are brought in front of people to be witnesses, they are filled with the Spirit and they have wisdom to answer the questions and to address the things that are happening in the world. Um, I, had, uh, I have a good friend who is a missionary and I was praying for him a few months ago. Uh, I guess it was about eight or nine months ago. Uh, just praying for him one morning and I felt the Lord just say, you should text him and encourage him uh, and just tell him, hey, this is how you're made and you're wired and I see it and you know, keep doing what you're doing. And so I, I texted him and said, hey man, you got time for a call? And he's like, no, I'm in the middle of something. And I was like, I just wanted to tell you, like God's, God's made you a pioneer to pioneer fresh works and you've done that in Honduras and I'm just so proud of you and I'm praying for you this morning. And he texted me back, he's like, I'm calling you in five minutes. It's like, okay. So he calls me and it's, he, it's not an, an out of country number. So I'm like, he's somewhere in the States. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, dude, I'm on top of a mountain in Wyoming. I was like, cool, what are you doing? He's like, I got away for a week to pray that God would give me wisdom about our next steps in ministry. There's been a door open for us to leave Honduras and to start planting churches among unreached people in Thailand. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I was sitting on the mountain and I was asking God to give me wisdom and your text came through. And you basically said, go start new things. And I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> See, God gives the church wisdom to offer to one another so that we can have the wisdom we need as we are following and seeking after Jesus. He says to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, the same spirit might give um, what you might hear referred to as a message or a word of knowledge. What that is, is that's just a divine way of knowing something that you wouldn't know unless the Spirit showed you. Jesus in John 4, when he's talking to the woman at the well, and he says something, he refers to her husband. She's like, sir, I don't have a husband. He's like, actually, you've had five husbands and the man you currently don't live with, you live with is not your husband. Where did Jesus get that? Well, you could say it's because he's Jesus and he knows everything, but we've talked about this already. Jesus' ministry was one where he was solely dependent on the Holy Spirit to reveal to him where God was at work so that he could join him. The same spirit that is in Jesus is in you. So God will give a message or a word of knowledge to give you insight. Have, would you be okay if the Holy Spirit were to give you the knowledge that you needed to join him in what he was doing in the world? That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. And so there are people in the church who are uniquely gifted in specific moments and specific circumstances to actually know what's going on. When I was in college, I was part of a church that didn't believe this kind of stuff happened. But thankfully, I had this guy that came into my life who did. And I remember we were uh, getting ready to lead worship at this big event. And he was like, hey, I'm just praying for everyone. Can I come pray for you? 
And he came by, he was praying for each person, he was praying for me, and then he stopped and he said, look at me. And I was like, okay. So I looked at him and he said, God has given you a gift that you are intentionally not using because of the people you're surrounded with. And you need to stop it. And he just walked off. <laughs> and I was like, and I'm sitting there and I knew exactly what he was talking about. Because when I was 16, I had an experience that the church I was a part of said shouldn't happen anymore. And he looked at me and I don't know how he knew it outside of the fact that he had the red phone to the Holy Spirit, I guess. He was walking in the spirit and the spirit gave him a message of knowledge for me to encourage me, to call me up to be the person that God had made me to be. The spirit does this. To another, faith is given by the same spirit. You know these people. Maybe this will give you language. You know the people who are in incredible or impossible circumstances and their faith seems unwavering? that they believe. It's not just holding to God's promises in a casual or normative way, but someone who's in a particular circumstance and it's like they are surrounded by peace that you're like, that's weird. How are you this confident in God with this much chaos happening around you? That's a gift of faith. It's a gift of faith that God gives us in the moment and it testifies. I've seen it in my grandmother. I've seen it uh, in the face of illness, with people who are facing tough diagnoses and tough choices, I've seen God give faith that is just unwavering. He says, to another, gifts of healing are given by that one spirit. Uh, this may be weird, it's okay if you don't wanna do this, but how many of you, just by hands, either have experienced or know someone who has experienced healing from God in their life? This is why, just from a very practical standpoint, I'm like, how can we say these things don't happen anymore? I remember when I, uh, I have my friend Meg, her, her dad uh, had a large thing of skin cancer on top of his head. And uh, they came out to see us at this church where we were serving. And she was like, hey, can we gather around and just pray for my dad? So we had like five or six of us and we laid hands on him like it says to do in James. And we prayed that he would be healed. And the next day when he got up, that patch was gone and he went to the doctor and they were like, what happened? And he was like, they prayed for me. And like that skin cancer had been healed. And I was like, how do you explain that? Well, think about what the spirit does. Is the spirit coming to bring healing and wholeness? Yeah. So of course, when the church works in healing, when we're filled with the spirit, like that glove, part of what the spirit will do in our midst is bring healing to others. Is that something we control? No. Is it a superpower that any one of us has? No. But the Spirit can give if and when he chooses these same things. To others, he gives miraculous powers. Kind of self-explanatory, but there's other, I, I know people, I, in, even in the past month, I know someone who, it is a, a miracle that they're alive because they were in a car wreck that should have taken their life. Um, and you walk away from that, and there's a part of it that's just like, there's, there's miraculous things that are happening around us. It says, to another, distinguishing between spirits. This is an interesting one. Um, so we believe in the Holy Spirit. We also believe in the Bible that there, there are other spirits at work in the world. Um, hopefully that's not terrifying to you. Uh, Jesus believed that there were evil spirits around. We as a church, what do we believe? We believe they're there. Do we like them? No, we're against them. <laughs> Um, 
but that there are things that happen in the world where sometimes you need to discern, is this Jesus? Is this something else? Is this the lasagna I ate? Is this like a demon? Like, what is this? Uh, there are story after story in scripture. You look at like Acts 8 where Peter um, has this guy, this sorcerer who's following around who wants the power of the spirit, but doesn't want the spirit. He just wants the power and he wants the parlor trick. And he is rebuked. And there's a discernment that is like, okay, this person seems to be wanting the right things, but there's something underneath that. That's a gift that's given by the spirit. It happens to Paul later on where there's a, a, a person who's practicing, uh, practicing witchcraft who begins to follow him. And his saying, Paul is sent from God, which sounds like, oh man, yeah. But he's like, this is someone who's given to evil spirits who's affirming my ministry and I'm not cool with that. So he calls that out for what it is. Isn't it good news that the spirit wants us to know when it's him and when it's not? So he gives the church a gift of discerning when it's him, when it's something evil, or maybe when it's just something you ate. And I'll take it. That's a gift from the Lord. He says to others, speaking in different kinds of tongues, we'll get there to others, interpretation of tongues, we'll get there. But he says, all of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. All of these are the work of the same spirit and they are up to him to give how he wants, when he wants, however he wants. He gives them to each one. Remember, you're in each. Uh, and what's cool is as Paul kind of presses forward, then he goes into talking about the body. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We're all given the one spirit to drink. And he starts talking about how the body has diverse parts that work together in unity and comparing this then to the giving of gifts. Um, and then he goes another list. And in the church, God's appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, and also, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in, kinds, in different kinds of tongues. So notice, it's a different list. It's also a ranked list, which is interesting too, because Paul begins to put them in a way, because what he's wanting the church to understand is that spiritual gifts, the giving of spiritual gifts, is not about the gifts. It's about what the gifts are doing. And the ultimate aim of spiritual gifts is much bigger than the gifts themselves. Also, I've got to highlight here that the things we think would be first, like tongues, which seems like supernatural and weird, is actually at the bottom of his list. So he's trying to course correct people who might be putting the emphasis on the wrong things. And then he asks all these rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? The implied thing is no. Are all prophets? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Because there's different parts of the body. If we all did all the things, we'd just be an eye or a hand or a foot. But he says, we are all given different things and we are to honor and cherish and make room for one another in these gifts as we are filled with the Spirit. He says, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I'm going to show you the most excellent way. And here's where it goes completely sideways. Because in chapter 13, he quits talking about what he's talking about, it seems. We get to chapter 13, which is the most read and quoted passage from the New Testament in weddings. You're going to recognize it. And I want you to think, 
This is not primarily about weddings and marriage. This is primarily about spiritual gifts and their place in the church. So as we read through this, I want you to hear. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but I have not love, I am nothing. Which again, you think about just the list on this screen. Prophecy, fathom all mysteries, all knowledge, faith that can move mountains. Every one of those, I'm like, if I could choose between having it and not having it, I'd probably say, just bring it on. I'd love it. He says, none of these things, like you are nothing if you don't have love, even if you have all of those things. He says, if I give all my possessions to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it isn't proud, it isn't rude, it isn't self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Who does that sound like? Sounds like God, right? Father, Son, Spirit, patient, kind, not rude. He's describing the character of God. And he's putting the character of God front and center in this conversation about gifts. Because all of the fancy gifts of the Spirit are nothing if you're missing God in their midst. That's the point of spiritual gifts. It's not to lift up giftings, but it's to lift up God. It's to lift up Jesus as the center of everything. And he says, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. Two things. First, if you're wondering when will some of the gifts stop, he tells us they'll stop when Jesus shows up. Because you don't need mercy when mercy shows up. You don't need gifts of service in a world that is healed and whole. You don't need prophecy when you're standing face to face with Jesus Christ. The Spirit gives gifts because we are in between what God has done and what he will do. And those gifts are bringing the ministry of the Spirit to the church, through the church, and into the world. But there is a day where all of these things won't matter. You won't need tongues because every tribe and nation and tongue will stand before God and understand him and see him face to face. This is the reality that is coming. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. This is what he's talking about, immaturity, and as we wait for all things to be restored, and when we grow up, when everything is made new, it is going to be different. And the gifts are the things, it's like the training wheels to lead us into that future. Once the future arrives, they won't be here. He says, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So faith will end when our faith becomes sight. Hope will end because you don't need to hope for what you have. And when Jesus shows up, we're no longer hoping for a future. The future has arrived. But love will not end because God is love. And he keeps pushing us here as we continue to talk about gifts because you have to realize that at the center of the gifts is not supernatural power 
or ability. It is God himself drawing the world to himself and building up the church so that we can be the faithful witness and instrument of his kingdom in this world. And he gets to our verse that we read, pursue love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. Now I'm already um, pushing my time and I haven't even got to chapter 14. So I'm gonna make a executive decision here to say um, to be continued because there's a whole lot to get to in 14. So next week when we come, we're gonna talk about prophecy and tongues. So if you're like, Drew, I felt like you just led us to this point and now I still don't know what to think. I wanna know what happens when people start speaking in different, I wanna tell you a story real fast. This will be a kickoff into what we do next week. So when I was in Kentucky, the church I was serving at, uh, we had a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. We had people who didn't know anything about guests. We had people who knew, who didn't think anything happened. We had people who thought that everything happened and was not happening and we were in sin for it. We had the whole spectrum of things. But I remember we were in service. I had finished leading worship and I was, I was transitioning off the stage and our pastor was coming on um, and uh, we had a guy stand up and just start hammering in in a language that none of us knew. I mean, as loud and as clear as day. So I'm walking off the stage and my pastor's walking by me. I'm like, hey, there's a guy standing up speaking in tongues. And he's like, got it. <laughs> and he came out on stage and he just began to preach. Uh, what was interesting is uh, I had a family member who was there who had never been around anything like that. And it freaked her the heck out. Remember after church, she came up to me. She's like, was he speaking Swahili? I was like, I don't know what he was speaking. <laughs> um, the clarity on this stuff is important because there's something at stake that's not just at the center of gifts, it's at the center of love. And this is where Paul is headed and where we're gonna head next week. Is gifts that are supernatural in these ways are aiming to build up the church. And the way we practice all spiritual gifts, if it doesn't have at the center Jesus Christ and the building up of the body, then we're probably doing it wrong. So we're gonna talk about that more next week. Uh, in just a moment, our band's gonna come up. We're just gonna have a time of response. Um, but I wanna stop with this verse where it says, pursue love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Uh, we'll, we'll press pause on the prophecy word. We'll get there. But I want you to think in a very simple sense. Uh, if you grew up in the church, or maybe you didn't grow up in the church, you probably have some sort of disposition towards the idea of spiritual gifts. And one of the things they see consistently in the scriptures is that Paul does not encourage the church to fear them or to just sit back and wait. To eagerly desire spiritual gifts is to eagerly desire the filling of the Holy Spirit. That our lives will be filled with the Spirit and then whatever the Spirit wants to do in us and through us would happen. And at the center of that is love. Because when we look at Jesus, we see that his dying and rising has at the center God's love for his creation to reconcile it and bring it back to himself. And spiritual gifts, if they're not bringing us back to love, love of God and love of neighbor, lifting up Jesus and building up others, then we're thinking about it wrong. But 
if we're thinking about it right, there should be a part of us that wants to lean forward and just say, come Holy Spirit. Like, I won't fear a gift that you're giving me for the sake of the world to lift you up and to build others up. That's good news. And as we continue this conversation, I, I just want to remind you, um, you're in each. God has given you his spirit, and that means he's given you gifts in his spirit. And the church that I feel like we have to be in the moment we're in is a church that is longing, that would rather make mistakes than not be who we're made to be in this moment. So I'm gonna pray. Um, I know, uh, Jocelyn, you were gonna join me in the back of the room. If you're here and you're just like, hey, I, I want God to just, I don't know, show me what my gifts are and help me be who I'm made to be. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, we're gonna take a moment and just respond in song and reflection. We're gonna come to the table and we'll be done today. Um, but as we respond, uh, feel free if you wanna sit or you wanna stand, all of that is, is fine. But uh, if you want prayer, Jocelyn and myself will be in the back room. We would love to pray for you today um, that the Lord would um, stir in you uh, the gifts that he's given you because they're good for all of us and we need that. So let me pray. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are the God who loves us and is for us. And I pray uh, in a very uh, beautiful way that you would help us to be a church that is pursuing love, is chasing after you, but also eagerly design, desiring whatever you give us so that we can be an extension of your spirit in the world. Um, we welcome you and we welcome all that you give. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.